1: It's been said asking questions is the first step in meaningful change. No statement could be truer in the context of today's complex healthcare system. Diane's special guest expert this week, registered nurse Catherine Walsh, is here to show how her and her colleagues at the Change Foundation are opening the doors to better healthcare by asking the right questions. Join 180 million monthly subscribers who can now listen to Parents are Hard to Raise on Spotify.
2: Welcome to Parents are Hard to Raise, helping families grow older together without losing their minds. I'm elder care expert, Diane Berardi. As a caregiver when was the last time someone asked you how you were doing when a loved one is sick caregivers especially those new to the role face challenges and obstacles they may never have faced before today's complex healthcare care system is getting better at focusing more on the patient and their concerns but what about those family members involved in the patient's care don't they have needs too As a professional, I've always felt the need to empathize with caregivers and their frustrations. But only now, as a caregiver myself, can I truly understand just how alone and helpless one can feel. My guest this week also knows what it's like to be both a healthcare professional and a family caregiver, who not only understands the caregiver's plight, but is working on ways to make it better. Katherine Walsh is a former researcher turned critical care registered nurse and now co-design lead and educator for the Connecting the Dots for Caregivers project at the Change Foundation in Ontario, Canada. Katherine Walsh, welcome to Parents are Hard to Raise. Thanks, Diane. I'm so happy to be here and share this with you. Well, we're so happy to have you. Well, I'm thinking, why don't we start with your personal story first? How did you come to be doing what you're doing now?
0: It's actually really interesting because I was working as a critical care nurse and I had an opportunity to become a nurse educator. And one day I was asked to attend a conference in Toronto at the Change Foundation where I got to learn all about caregiving and also learn from the other teams and find out what co-design was, which I had never heard of. And actually, so I became involved with the project at that time, but it wasn't actually until a couple months into the project that I started to realize that I was a caregiver as well. So wow. that really, <laughs> it really starts to magnify that idea that even working in healthcare right. and being a caregiver in my own personal life, it's not something I identified with. I was a mom or a granddaughter taking care of those people that I'm taking care of, but I didn't think of it as a separate thing. So this, just going to the Change Foundation and hearing about it and right. thinking I could actually be involved with a project that makes broad sweeping changes for the lives of people in our community, It's such a rare opportunity, and I was really, really excited to be a part of it.
2: Now, um, tell us about Connecting the Dots, that project
0: hmm So Connecting the Dots is one of the projects that was funded by the Change Foundation, and the purpose of the project is really to look at our local community, which is Huron and Perth. It's a, quite a vast um, rural area. Yeah. Our biggest city is Stratford, and we have 28,000 people. So that gives you an idea of the grand yeah. size of our location. Right. There, there's a lot of farming communities that are very widely spread, and so the information, it's difficult for it to travel between... Um, So Connecting the Dots, we came together as six healthcare organizations, and we worked together to really understand in our community what are the major challenges of caregivers and how can we improve that. And we did that through bringing 10 healthcare providers and 10 caregivers from a vast variety of experiences together for these biweekly meetings where we just really dug and tore apart what does it mean for awareness and recognition of caregivers, and how can we improve that in our local community as our first step, which was just one of three steps that we were working on.
2: It's amazing because people don't even know they're caregivers.
0: No, absolutely (laughs) not. You think, as a caregiver, we heard time and time again, we have a a video that um, I know it's been talked about before with Pat, and she talks about the fact that she was just a wife. And when we say just, we don't mean I'm just a wife, but you really think of that as part of your role. I have to provide care for my child. But then what you don't think about is, we had a really great story, and this is when everybody in co-design team one, all of our perspectives just went click, because we had a mom say, she had a child with um, multiple diagnoses, and she went into her family doctor and said, you know, I'm feeling really tired, and I'm kind of feeling stressed, and I don't know where to turn, and they said, welcome to parenthood, or something along that line. And although it's true that parenthood is exhausting, my life as a parent with a healthy child going to school and not having any extra challenges is much different than a parent who's dealing as a caregiver as well. Sure. So I think we need to acknowledge that as yes, it is part of the role as as that friend, family um, person in their life that you are going to provide caregiving, but that caregiving part is a separate entity that we need to nurture and support in a different way. And that's not something everybody has to deal with. Although a lot of people do become caregivers at some point in their life.
2: Yeah. Um, I was thinking, you know, well, you know, when my mom got sick, I wasn't identifying myself as a caregiver because I was, I was going up, my husband was going one day a week to, you know, take her to chemo. And, and I was going up one day a week to shopping and help her with everything she needs, you know, help her. And I wasn't thinking of myself as one, but, all of a sudden, you know, I kind of got slammed against a wall and I was so tired and, Mm -hmm. you know, I'm, I'm working and getting calls and trying to arrange all appointments and, um, having to take off if, you know, if she needs to get to an appointment and coordinating everything and pharmacies and doctors, etc. And then I'm saying, you know, it hit me and I'm I'm in healthcare Mm -hmm. for 36
0: years. I'm like, I'm a caregiver. (laughs) Exactly. And and that's the whole issue is the fact that we really want to stop caregivers from getting to that point. We don't want them to get to the point of burnout or exhaustion. We want to this Time to Talk toolkit was really a preventive measure so that physicians, nurses, or um, volunteers, this is one of the great things about the toolkit As we've heard from volunteers uh, in our community. We have a service that... Takes, um, picks up people and takes them to their appointments. And in the past, the caregivers will speak to them and they didn't have anything to give them. But now even in that situation, they can hand something over that provides some support to that person and gives them some information about the things that you're speaking about so that we can start to avoid that before it happens because nobody should get to that point. And right. that's really what, what, what has been happening and that makes an extra burden on our, care, on our healthcare system.
2: Now, uh, tell us about the Time to Talk program. Sure.
0: So the Time to Talk um, Toolkit was created from our co-design team one. Okay. And really, as I said before, we had these three streams. One was awareness and recognition. And we realized really quickly that we needed to do these streams sequentially because we couldn't address communication or education if people weren't recognizing that role. Right. So, yeah, so we got (laughs) together and we talked about how can we do this? How can we identify caregivers? And we went through a number of different things through co-design, including the idea of sitting down at the... Um, we were we were piloting it in a primary care, um, sorry, a family doctor's office, and we wanted to s- thought maybe we can call every single person in the doc, a patient there, and say is there a caregiver involved with your care? But that seems ridiculous, and it was ridiculous. There's no way we could possibly do that. We had to come up with a way that had more of a broad sweeping impact for both healthcare providers and caregivers to recognize the role and also have a resource. So we created this collection of resources that was created for both healthcare providers and caregivers to understand the role and associated challenges. And then um, the co-design process created that. So the great thing about that is we had both healthcare providers and caregivers from community, hospital, and family doctor experiences and beyond. So now this toolkit can be used anywhere because it has had all that input from other people. And it wasn't, it's not about one person creating and thinking this is what we think would be helpful. It's about the users creating it out of what would be helpful to them or what was helpful to them.
2: because not only i guess identifying you know yourself as a caregiver but we all have you know caregivers have the same needs but we all have different ones
0: too exactly it's uh, yeah 100% and So the the thing with the toolkit is that it really addresses that awareness and recognition, but from two different perspectives. So it has a double-edged meaning with the time to talk. It's not just time to talk to providers, but it's also time for caregivers to talk to each other and um, to providers. But also, so for caregivers, it helps them do that self-recognition and mitigate that burnout. So they're not going to have burnout and prevent it. But for healthcare providers... They knew there were caregivers that they were caring for or right. or patients with caregivers, but they didn't know how to engage with them and yeah. they didn't know what resources to provide. But also there weren't any resources to provide. So, you know, we had this kind of joke, okay, congratulations, you're a caregiver. Now off you go. There right. was nothing to give them. So who wants to say that? Instead, you just pretend it's not happening. You don't want to talk about it. So it was this toolkit that we created so they could say, you know, I think, you know, I recognize you as a caregiver. This right. is the definition of a caregiver. Here's a pamphlet. I want you to take this home and take some time to read it and read through all the different pieces of it, which are, are you a caregiver? The impacts of caregiving and and those impacts are everything from financial to mental health. You, the relationship changes, the fact yes. that, you know, you go from if it's a spouse, a romantic relationship to a relationship where you're that caregiver, it it totally changes everything. And that the grief that you're going through that process, Um, the signs of caregiver burnout, and then how to deal with those, the, the encouragement to talk to someone, a friend, a family member. And we saw time and time again, that people, once they spoke, you didn't, we didn't have to have any grand solutions, although grand solutions need to come. And that's the next parts of our project. But If they spoke to someone and someone listened to them, then their whole body posture changed. They would walk into the room feeling stressed and, and you could just tell the burden that they were carrying. And they lightened up as soon as they started to tell their stories and other people shook their heads nodding. I was brought to tears on so many occasions just watching this room of caregivers all nodding their heads you know, furiously, because they're like, yes, somebody finally gets it. We went through so many boxes of Kleenex just because they were finally listened to. And for years, they just felt in the dark and isolated
2: it's uh, you know that isolation and I think you know when I think about isolation like I think of myself I'm saying "Ah, I don't want to talk to anybody I don't want to go out I don't want to I don't want to do anything and then I don't know I don't know if it's you don't want to be around people because uh, well you're tired you don't want to talk to them and you don't feel um, you know you don't want to be a drag and, and make people feel bad and, and, mm-hmm. and get them down. But then also I'm thinking,
0: I don't want anybody to ask me for anything else. Uh, right. <sighs> yes. You know? Totally. And and then we heard that and we also heard they don't want to be asked anymore how the person they're coming for is doing. Yes. And it's that whole, you know, you want to, you obviously want to be supportive for the person you're caring for, but sometimes you're just tired of talking about it. Yes. And you're, you're tired of it being all about them. And, and Pat does a really great thing in the video where she kind of moves sideways and waves and says, hello, I'm over here because <laughs> people don't see you. And no. so it's, I totally, yeah, you get it. You kind of isolate yourself so that you can protect yourself. From yeah.
2: That. And that's, mm-hmm. and that's, no good. <laughs> no, not good at <laughs> all. Not good
0: at all. And I yeah. would tell people
2: constantly, "No, you can't. You know, you have to do yeah. these things." But then, you know, you could. I could internalize and realize, "Oh my gosh, I'm doing that." You know. Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, well, and I think that's what came to me is I realized <laughs> when my grandmother was she had heart failure, and um, I wasn't a nurse at that point, so I knew very little about heart failure. Right. I was told watch her salt and, uh, we should weigh her every day, but I didn't really understand anything more than that. So uh, being the person who brought her all her food and visited her every day and I had a newborn child, it was a lot of work. And it wasn't until, like I said, six months into this project that a light bulb went off and I thought, Oh my gosh, I was a caregiver for her. And it's, it's just not even addressed. It's not something you think about and, and you just, you make it work. Yes. And, and and you make it work. And the other big thing is is that they that caregivers want to do this. This isn't always, maybe not always, but a lot of the time, this is something that they find very fulfilling and rewarding. We just need to find better ways to support them so it doesn't have a negative impact on their own
2: life. Right. Yeah. And that's that's uh, that's the challenge, but that's that's the key. Yeah.
0: For <laughs> sure. Yeah. So the caregiver c- toolkit, the Time to Talk toolkit. There's the pamphlet, as I talked about. Okay. But how do we get people to pick up that pamphlet? Yes. That's, that's the question. So we put a poster on the wall anywhere we can. It's double-sided, and we actually have a adult double-sided version and a child double-sided version. Because so often people think caregivers are just caring for seniors. Right. That's, you know, they don't think yes. about the rest. So we put a call out on this... Um, poster that says I'm honored to care for my dad or my mom or whatever the poster is but I'm tired and overwhelmed I don't know where to find the information I need because we found that caregivers didn't want to pick up information because then they felt guilty for admitting yes. that they were overwhelmed and tired
2: yeah definitely um you, you you're thinking why am I tired you know I have to be strong I have to just keep going you know you're thinking about tasks we're going to continue talking with Katherine Walsh of the Connecting the Dots for Caregiving Caregivers project at the Change Foundation. But first, if you're a woman or there's a woman in your life, there's something you absolutely need to know. I want to tell you about my friend Katie. Katie is a nurse, and she was attacked on her way home from work. She was totally taken by surprise. And although Katie is only 5 feet tall and 106 pounds, she was easily able to drop her 6 foot 4 250-pound attacker to his knees and get away unharmed. Katie wasn't just lucky that day. She was prepared. In her pocketbook, a harmless-looking lipstick, which really contained a powerful, man-stopping aerosol propellant. It's not like it was in our grandmother's day. Today, just going to and from work, or to the mall, can have tragic consequences. The FBI says a violent crime is committed every 15 seconds in the United States and a forcible rape happens every five minutes, and chances are when something happens no one will be around to help. It looks just like a lipstick so no one will suspect a thing, which is important since experts say getting the jump on your attacker is all about the element of surprise. Inside this innocent-looking lipstick is the same powerful stuff used by police and the military to disarm even the most powerful armed aggressor. In fact, National Park Rangers use the very same formula that's inside this little lipstick to stop 2,000-pound, vicious grizzly bears dead in their tracks. It's like carrying a personal bodyguard with you, in your purse or your pocket. Darkness brings danger. Muggers and rapists use darkness to their advantage. We all know what it's like to be walking at night and hear footsteps coming at us from behind. Who's there? If it's somebody bad, will you be protected? Your life may depend on it. My friend Katie's close call needs to be a wake-up call for all of us, myself included. Pick up a lipstick bodyguard and keep it with you always.
1: Were you ever young? You're listening to Parents are Hard to Raise. Now, thanks to you, the number one elder care talk show on planet Earth. Listen to this and other episodes on demand using the iHeartRadio app. iPhone users can listen on Apple Podcasts and Android users on Google Podcasts. Want a great new way to listen to the show? Have an Amazon Echo or Dot? Just say, Alexa, play Parents Are Hard to Raise podcast. Getting the latest episode of Parents Are Hard to Raise. Here it is from iHeartRadio. It's as simple as that.
2: You're right, Dolly. There are so many really cool new ways to listen to our show. It's hard to keep track. You can join the 180 million listeners on Spotify. You can listen in your car, at the gym, or pretty much anywhere on your smartphone with Apple Podcasts and Google Podcasts. You can get us on Apple TV, DirecTV, Roku. And like Dolly said, you can even ask Alexa to play the show for you. It's great because you don't have to be tied to a radio anymore. You can listen when you want, where you want, for as long as you want. And if you're listening to the show in one of these new ways, please do me a big favor. Share this new technology. Help someone else learn about the show. And show them a new way to listen. So, Catherine, we were talking about um, what's in the toolkit
0: hmm So yeah, I was talking a little bit about the posters, yes. which the main purpose of that is really a call for caregivers to pick up the pamphlet. Yeah. And we do hope that providers hand them out, but we recognize that that's not always, they're not always going to be in a place where they can be handed out by providers. And um, we just needed to have a way that caregivers would connect and say, you know what, I need to pick this up and read it. And so that's the p- purpose of the poster. Then we have the pamphlet, which I've gone over with you, and it's um quite a, a nice... Po- uh, pamphlet. The last page of it is really a resource. So, what we found is that people didn't know what resources to connect with in the local healthcare system. Right. And although the healthcare system, there are a lot of resources, we just don't have the best way of connecting to each other. It's very fragmented, and there's great resources that pop up, and people aren't aware of them. Right. So, in this pamphlet, we have a quick reference guide for local people, but that is really expanded on our website that we've created, which is called caregiversheronperth.ca. And this is a really exciting website, although it's geared towards Huron and Perth counties in Ontario, any caregiver from all over the world could access it. Because what it does is it goes through each of the different things that caregivers would need, respite, spiritual, um, mental health support, or transportation. And in those, we have tips from caregivers. So what are... In our in our connection groups or in our sorry co-design groups, we've had all of the caregivers come together and list off all the tips they have for navigating the system. Huh. So, so often we heard that people walked around in the darkness, not knowing what to do until they hit that right person who helped them get fixed. Right. So this website is that's what we've created to be that person that's always there 24 hours a day and it's not a warm touch, but it is another support for people. So um it has tips, but it also has a story and that's meant for people to accept the resources because we hear time and time again that caregivers say, "Well, there's probably someone who needs it more than us." Yes, I do. you do hear <laughs> that all the time. Yes, and you know, I had a caregiver in one of our groups, and um, the person they were caring for had dementia, and she had de- declined a lot of the resources if they had been offered, thinking, I'm sure someone else needs it more than I do. Oh. And then finally, she went to a group, and she listened to everybody, and she thought, no, you know what? I need those resources right. the most. yeah. So uh, in the end, ended up taking some of the resources, and I think we need to find a way to encourage caregivers to accept help. Yeah. This isn't something that they feel that they can do. And especially, interestingly, um, not to bring it down to gender, but men have a, a more difficult time accepting help yes. because I think they often feel that they they can't ask for help or I'm not sure what the reason is, but we do have a lot more women come forward and yeah. want to talk about this than men, than men than we do men. So we created a tip card, seven tips for providers, and this kind of gets to the other side of it. So we have this pamphlet to hand out. We have the poster. But what do you say? How do you support these caregivers when they're in front of you? Right. And so we have a tip card that expands on these points, but we also have a lanyard card because most healthcare providers have to wear their ID on something. Right. And the number one thing is ask caregivers how they're doing. Yes. We, we actually spent months as a and the Change Foundation trying to figure out what would be, you know, the best assessment tool. How do we identify caregivers? How do we find out how they're doing? And we heard from caregivers, it just comes down to saying, ask us, just right. ask us how we're doing. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but make sure it's in the terms, how are you managing? Because too often, how are you doing sounds like, you know, hey, how you doing? You don't wait for the answer. Right. You, yeah. It's just a greeting. So how are you doing? Include caregivers as part of the healthcare team. They have more knowledge about what's going on with that patient than often the healthcare team does. And they're really valuable and can decrease, you know, errors and keep all of that aligned. Share what's happening, what to expect next. Encourage caregivers to accept help. Help connect caregivers to resources. Encourage caregivers to talk to someone about their feelings. This is huge. We had caregivers who had never told anybody how they were feeling and and it was just building up on them. And then revisit that conversation. One time is not enough. Sometimes people need to be talked at every appointment for two years before they feel that they're ready to open open up up about this. So you never know when that's going to happen. But all of these pieces are available on that website. So anybody all over the world can go on to our um, caregivers here on Perth.ca website. Perfect. Yeah, they can click on either I'm a caregiver or I'm a healthcare provider. You can access both. And if you look for time to talk in there, All of the resources are there. They're downloadable. They're a print quality if a healthcare organization wants to use them or if someone wants to use them personally.
2: You know, when you were saying that, what to expect next, Mm -hmm. I think that's a big one too uh, because I I, I kind of, I'm just waiting and I'm Mm -hmm. saying, you know, well, what happens next, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, And I I, I find... uh, you know, being in healthcare for thirty six years, I, I, I'm I have difficulty struggling through the maze in the healthcare system. It just n- nothing connects with the next step. You know, mm-hmm. like for my mom, for instance, she has a, a an oncologist and she has a gastroenterologist, and it's like, well which one do I go to for this, you know, or, yeah. uh, you know, and I, I, I'm trying to get a hold of the gastroenterologist. He's not getting back to me. So then yeah. the oncologist says, well, I can help you with that, you know, and then I'm like, okay. And then mm-hmm. we have a gastroenterologist appointment. He changes what the
0: oncologist prescribed. Yeah. So it's like, well, who do I listen to? What do I do? Yeah, and nobody <clears throat> necessarily talks to each other unless you're on the same system somehow. And yes. totally, like I said in my biography, I became a nurse after caregiving for my grandmother, specifically because I couldn't navigate the system and I was frustrated. And nobody in my family is in healthcare. And in fact, in historically in my family, my family was even opposed to healthcare w- with their religious beliefs in the past. So this is something we don't know about. And we you have to have an advocate in your family. Because yeah there's there's just it's difficult to manage some of our caregivers had been nurses or physicians for 30 years and they couldn't navigate the system so it's really we wanted to look at what is currently out there in our local community and how can we make this more accessible because it's out there it's just it's like playing golf in the dark you know that the hole is out there you know there's clubs around you somewhere right but you just need the lights put on so you can find what you need to get that. Ball down the green.
2: Exactly. I mm-hmm. mean, it, it is. It's. It does. It gets you so frustrated. Then you're just. You know. Sometimes I'm like, well, that's it. I'm just not calling again. You know. Mm-hmm. Or, and that doesn't do anyone any
0: good. But it, it's just so frustrating. Mm-hmm. And I think as healthcare providers, we try to do our best to to be empathetic and understanding. But you're so focused on your task at hand that sometimes you forget about all the other gears yes. that are moving. And I had a, care- a number of caregivers say when the lights go down at night or when the blinds close it's what happens behind those doors when they feel helpless they don't know how to get help and unfortunately everything happens on a weekend a yes. holiday or at night right exactly yeah. why is that I don't know. don't know it's true it goes perfectly until that happens and then bam the wheels fall off so how can we help people in those times so they don't feel alone and that's the key uh,
2: it, definitely and can you please give us the, the website again
0: for sure yeah it's www.caregivers here on perth.ca and um, once you open it up it's really it was actually co-designed so I feel like it's I'm biased because I helped create it but it's beautifully made, it's very easy to navigate and um, there's a video on there that you can watch to learn how to navigate the website. It's got just a lot of great resources that are easy to find and it just supports caregivers and providers. Thank you so much, Katherine. You're so welcome. This has been a pleasure and I thank you very much for including me.
2: Oh, thank you. And parents are hard to raise family? I love getting your emails and questions. Please keep sending them in. You can reach me at diane at are hard to or just click the green button on our homepage. Parents Are Hard to Raise is a CounterThink Media production. The music used in this broadcast was managed by Cosmo Music, New York, New York. Our New York producer is Joshua Green. Our broadcast engineer is Well Gambino. And from our London studios, the melodic voice of our announcer, Miss Dolly D. Thank you so much for listening. Till next time, may you forget everything you don't want to remember. And remember everything you don't want to forget. See you again next week.